Hey bowlers, you're listening to Bowl After Bowl episode 12 on Tuesday, May 13th, 2014. I'm smoking bowl after bowl. And I smoke. Bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl. And I smoke. All right, everybody, we're sitting down with uh, Lance Nichols, and Lorian has joined me again. Hooray. Hooray, hooray. Um, Lance is a friend of Lorian's and an aspiring writer. Uh, Welcome. Thank you. We wanted to just kind of talk to you sort of about why you came to Columbia in the first place, what made you choose Mizzou, and like what your aspirations are with your writing, and what got you into that. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, I'm from St. James, Missouri. It's a small town. Under 5,000, about 4,000 people. And uh, it, uh, when, when growing up there and you're going to college, like there are a handful of choices that are most applicable, and those are uh, Rolla has MST, Rolla's fairly close to St. James, and Springfield has MSU, and then Columbia has Mizzou. And uh, I applied to both MSU and Mizzou, and Mizzou offered me the largest scholarship package. And uh, it was in association with uh, the English department, and that's where I'm currently getting my degree from. And um, yeah, but otherwise, I chose uh, Mizzou over MSU just because I, I enjoyed Columbia as a city more than Springfield. Springfield is very nice, and I like going to Springfield, but I think I would enjoy living in Columbia more than living there. Right on. So, uh, why writing? What me? Like, how long have you been writing? Well, uh, let's see. I started, like, uh, I did a lot of writing when I was a kid growing up. I've always had uh, an imaginative personality, so I imagine that uh, that had to do with it. And it also runs in my family. My dad was uh, a published poet and a uh, very, very uh, talented writer. And uh, I think uh, that kind of influenced me. I, I'm a very big reader. I like to read. I, I think books are fantastic, and I think everyone should try reading at least something. I know that uh, uh, it's not as... You know, easy to as do is like watching TV, but uh, I feel like reading books is very stimulating, especially for kids growing up. So I liked reading a lot. I did read a lot of books, and I started writing. I think whenever I was in uh, junior high, and uh, would t- go through periods where I wouldn't write anything. And most recently, I started writing uh, my freshman year of college, and I just haven't stopped since then. Nice. So, uh, what class did you two actually meet in? We met in a, a creative writing class. Yeah, it was an elective for me, because um, I tried to bang out all of my journalism courses first, and so my senior year has been kind of one of those semesters when I get to choose all of my own classes that I want randomly. Nice. So, yeah, it worked out pretty well. It was a, it was a pretty rewarding class, I thought. Um, we got to meet a lot of cool kids and write about whatever we wanted to write about, and we had, I don't know, we had some really interesting discussions in that class. A lot of good feedback and stuff. Great teacher also great instructor. Yeah. So um what do you what are your goals for writing? Like what do you want to have done after you graduate? Well uh currently I'm I'm working on things that I'm going to send in for short fiction publication at literary magazines. I'd like to have uh, a lot of stuff sent out by uh middle of the summer and try to track that. Uh, eventually though, uh after I graduate with my degree, I think I want to go to grad school and I think I'd like to have a teaching position and use that as a way to facilitate my writing and if I have some career success from that that would be great but if not I feel like I'd be fine as a teacher right on so uh 
got to meet you and have you on the show. We wanted to talk st- about some like current events and things that are going on. Uh, just starting on a local end, Lorian wanted to talk about this uh, this manhunt that went down over the weekend, right? Oh, right, yeah. Um, so, I think it was last Wednesday or Thursday, um, all the students at Mizzou got a Cleary release from MUPD saying that there were 13 reports of, um, some guy breaking in, and in some of the, it was always female victims, and in some of the reports he would break into their bedrooms and, uh, you know, ask them to take their clothes off and masturbate in front of them and some weird shit like that. Um, and so MEPD sent that out, and then a few hours later CPD sent out the same press release, or vice versa, and said that they were going to be working together in a joint operation, basically, to find this guy. Now, I scrolled down to the description of the guy, and uh, he was described as white or Middle Eastern, about six feet tall, athletic build, you know, blah, 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 same as always. But I thought that um, having white or Middle Eastern also as one of the description factors was kind of interesting, since that's kind of a... You know, it seems, seems like vague. a big difference between being white or Middle Eastern yeah, also. Yeah. Right. Um, so that was that kind of was a red flag to me. I don't know. So anyways, it was, what, Friday? They said that they were in a manhunt for the guy. And uh, that they were in pursuit, I guess. I guess they were chasing him on a bike. Yeah, he was, uh, he was getting away on a bike. And I think one of, <laughs> one of the officers hit him and he got off the bike. And it was went into an on-foot chase. Yeah, okay, so they're chasing this guy. Um, <laughs> and then they, when they lost him, they sent out a press release saying that the chase was off or something to that effect. Um, but, you know, if you had any tips, call Crime Stoppers and all that good stuff. So I'm downtown walking back to my car, and it's like, it's about 1 a.m. Friday night. There's quite a few people out. Um, and all of a sudden, like, four CPD SUVs, the, like, DUI units, pull up and blockade 9th Street at the intersection of 9th and Broadway. So, um, it looked like they had stopped a car, um, by doing that, and when I for like, went in, of course I had to go get a closer look, because that's my kind of personality, um, <laughs> it appeared to be an unmarked vehicle. So, um, I was with a friend, and we were walking up the street where all this commotion is going down and we suddenly realized that like the other end of that little block is being blockaded and now there was CPD, MUPD, um, some sheriff's department vehicles and that still that unmarked vehicle that I mentioned earlier. So we're like, okay, this has got to be huge. I'm thinking it has to do with the manhunt, but um, I don't know. I, I was, you know, kind of confused. They end up getting a CPD ATV, like, you know, to come up the street, and he starts, he drives on the sidewalk and starts corralling people off the block and honking his horn and yelling and stuff. So now I'm rolling my cell phone video because this is so freaking outrageous. And um, I ask one of the nearby officers, could you tell me what's going on? And they said, no, we can't answer any questions right now, but you need to get off the block. Um... And so I ignored that warning and talked to another guy who was, um, I think from CPD, but he didn't have a badge on, which was kind of sketchy. Um, and he said that there had been an altercation between 300 and 400 people. 
So I look at my friend and I'm just like, eh, I don't think there are even 300 people on the street here. Um, and then we notice that there's an FBI agent walking around, you know, blue t-shirt with yellow lettering FBI on the back. So I start snapping photos and tweeting them at um, my newsroom, the Columbia Missourian that I had worked for for the past semester, saying there's something really big going on, you know, the feds are here, the Boone County Sheriff's Department deputies are here, CPD, MEPD, and um, hoping to piece all this together. But instead, I never got a response from my newsroom. The cops refused to answer any further questions. Um, witnesses did not say that there was a fight, but one guy said that shot Shots had been fired into the air. It just turned out to be really confusing, and more and more police officers started coming, and the area started getting tenser and tenser until we just, like, were forced to walk away. Um, and so I called CPD's media hotline. No answer. They hung up on me the third time I called. Um, and then I called my newsroom, and this is where my hugest discouragement comes. This kid answered the phone and told me that he was too busy working on a story of the Royals winning or whatever to look into this. And uh, I was just like, Ex excuse me? So then he further told me, well, I'm the only one in the newsroom right now. And I was like, I'm literally four blocks away. I can walk there and start working on this with you. But he advised that I call someone in the morning to have them write about it, ask them about it. Now, to me, if I'm seeing news happening in front of me, I'm the kind of person that would like to report on it, and I thought that a simple headline of, you know, please blockade Broadway and Ninth, or something to that effect, with, you know, the photos, the video, and, a, like, one paragraph thing that said, this officer says there was a 300 to 400 person altercation, witnesses said shots were fired, um, I thought that would have sufficed, and then we could have updated it as press releases came out or whatever, if they did. Um, so then I get in contact with my friend at the Tribune, and he says no one's in the newsroom because it's almost 2 a.m., we're not going to cover it either, probably. Um, and in the morning, of course, there were no press releases regarding this, but they did send out the updated press release for the manhunt, saying that the hunt had continued a second time. I don't know what happened then, if they lost him or not, but that they found this body out by the the livestock. university's livestock, yeah, and that um, it appeared that the suspect had committed suicide, but they were looking into his identity. Of course, later Saturday, they identified him as um, Zane Black, a 36-year-old Columbia resident who actually worked at the university hospital, I think, as an RN or something to that effect. Um, but I don't know, guys. It's kind of sketchy. Right. So basically, downtown's blocked off and has all this cop activity, four different departments. Yeah. Including the feds. The feds, yeah. And no one has a story of what went on right. or whether it's connected to the manhunt or like what the hell they were doing blocking off 9th Street, basically. Yeah. It's, you know, clearly something they don't want to talk about. That's crazy. And I've also never had such a terrible interaction with the police. I literally had about four officers say to me, I can't answer any questions right now. Like, you need to leave. Um... I don't know. Usually, especially Columbia Police Department officers, they're pretty transparent about their activities. But not Friday night. So. 
I'm trying to uh, Google Zane Black, but I found his uh, his, LinkedIn. his LinkedIn. So he was a operating room nurse at the University of Missouri Hospital for 10 months. Nursing student for almost two years at Mizzou. And he's also been an EMT <laughs> and firefighter. Wow. But anyway. Decently significant ties to the community. Right. It's just weird that things would end up like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's basically what... The only news stories <laughs> about this are people saying, I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it just feels like maybe there's something more to the story something more like there's clearly something missing you know like yeah absolutely we the explanation makes no sense none of it makes real sense and why the feds would be involved like is right the most sketchy part i think so i don't know what are, you, what are you gonna do to find out more about that well for right now i'm just gonna start uploading these uh the videos and photos that i took um which hopefully will be available under the show notes yeah um, we'll put them up on the show notes and i'm in contact with some people at the columbia police department just from being crime editor and reporting on crime and stuff throughout my time at the university. So I'm probably just going to end up uh, asking more questions until I get some answers. And I guess I could try talking to people at the sheriff's department, too. Um, And if I figure it out, I'm more than likely going to publish an article of my own on my WordPress or something to that effect. But (laughs) I'd be interested to see a coroner's report on the body. Yeah, that should be interesting. And um, I'm not sure where I heard it, but someone said that he had hanged himself. But I don't remember the police releasing those details. Mm-hmm. So, like, three or four people have come up to me and they asked me whether or not it was true that you called one of the editors at the Missouri in a pretentious cunt. Um, I'm going to plead the fifth on that and neither confirm nor deny those rumors, but... <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that too. (laughs) Rumors in town. So I wanted to talk about, I I saw on Twitter that everyone is going Balzac over this bring back our girls hashtag. This uh, report out saying that uh, these schoolgirls in, uh, I'm sorry, Nigeria. Nigeria, Captured by a terrorist group. Captured by, they're blaming Boko Haram or they're taking credit or whatever is going on. But like, no one seems to know exactly how many girls. It's been from like 220 to 280 to like one report was over 300. There's like all these different numbers. Um, the, and m- most of this I heard broken down on No Agenda. If you guys listen to this podcast and you listen to podcasts but you don't listen to No Agenda, then you're an idiot. You're wasting your time. Like, this podcast is okay and I appreciate people listening to it. Like, I do love it, but uh, No Agenda is like, if you care about news and all you have access to is like, you know, the BuzzFeed or shit you find on Twitter and Facebook or you watch TV cable fucking news, which is even more terrible. Like, just listen to No Agenda. They're going to break down all the shows. And the whole point of that show is that there's no advertisers, which uh, their show is completely supported by people making donations. And so um, they don't have to, you know, bend toward uh, corporate interests or anything just because of the advertising money. It's all uh, listener supported. So they can say whatever they want and they have no... Uh, it's like the show title says, they have no agenda. So they've been talking about this. And uh, what they said was, uh, this winter, there was a bunch of oil found in the same region. And there's a bad deal with, they don't know where like $49 billion of this investor money is after uh, Shell and Chevron are the ones that have interest in the oil there. And so these reports of, we're going to send in 
two or three different armies to try and capture and recapture these girls. But uh, a few reports have also said that they talked about sending in uh, accountants and bank officials and like banking experts, which doesn't really sound like a you would need those kind of people yeah. for a hostage crisis. You know, like what is a bank expert and an investments expert? They're sending in accountants, you know, they're sending in accountants and armies. And so if you look at Africa and in the region, the kind of... Uh, shit that goes down there and the you know kidnapping scenarios like you look at joseph coney who was you know building children child armies forever and it took like this viral video for anyone over here to hear about it and yet like all of a sudden we're gonna go after the you know after we just hear about these girls we're gonna just go over to nigeria like the well and also team america world police or some shit it's worth noting that by the time we went over to help the coney kids he had already been kicked out of the country or right he was already on the run anyway (laughs) yeah yeah not to say that uh even our influence in the area doesn't put people in power like that Joseph Mbuntu was installed after a, a coup orchestrated by the United States CIA they assassinated Patrice Lumumba back in the like 50s <clears throat> and we we let Mbuntu be in power for a long time like uh, he was a uh, American ally he pictures of him with Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. an awful dictator <laughs> yeah there's a lo- there's a lot of this cycle that keeps going on do you think it's possible then that this particular instance where the, the girls have gone missing this terrorist group is captioned how it seems concurrent with this thing with the oil do you think uh, the, the it's related or it just happens to be the excuse that we're going to use to go over there to you know, get our investment protected it's a it's a bunch of different things but I think that the main thing is that investment lost and that 49 billion I think that you're going to see this good luck Jonathan guy get replaced I think that he's obviously not you know paying to people he needs to pay and so you're gonna see a new guy in charge there's there's a few huge problems i have though with the response and with the americans over here how they talk about bring back our girls and this hashtag that's going on and um a lot of it's that you know just jumping on something you don't really know about or you haven't researched you just see one story about these girls being kidnapped and you feel bad uh which don't get me wrong like that sucks and you know if if these girls are actually somewhere being held hostage that definitely sucks i'm not trying to say that that is not the case what i'm trying to say is why this incident why now why here you know because this happens every day in different places around the world like All this the kind time. of shit there are wars going on in the world there are you know buildings exploding we're chasing children people with drones bombed. bombing children like all of this happens every fucking day. So you can find, you know, why this incident? Why are people so bent up yeah. on this one particular one? And I think that it is because of this oil deal. Now, um, why people think that if they take a selfie with a hashtag on a card <laughs> and put it on Twitter, that that's going to fucking make any kind of political change or change anyone's mind or do anything to bring back our girls. If you think you tweet and get it trending, then the fucking girls will magically appear. You're insane. You're crazy. This yeah. is like the Twitter thing where it's like the Twitter activism, slacktivism, whatever you want to call it's it, where people, people are like, I weighed in, I did my part, it's I feel mi- good, yeah, I pat myself mi- on the back because I'm aware. It's narcissism, and that's all it you is. You didn't do shit, and you might not even be talking about... 
what you become at that point isn't anything except for an arm of the fucking government's noise and distraction. They 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 want you to tweet bring back our girls because they don't want you to fucking know what's actually going on. They want you to build all this hype and you're then you're just a piece of the smokescreen basically. That's what you're doing right. with your little Twitter activism mm-hmm. hashtag. So I don't know. That kind of irritated me. But another thing that kind of irritates me is this. You know, everybody's lately been up in arms on the anti-gay discrimination, which I agree. You know, no one should be discriminated against. But, uh, you know, we heard all of this, the anti-gay bill in Uganda, which actually passed and people were fighting against. But Nigeria has even stricter anti-homosexual laws. And, uh, you know, no one talked about Nigeria's laws. And now we're, like, going over there to, like, help their government and, like, you know, probably change it around and put a new government in or whatever will happen in the next few weeks or months. But, you know, you won't hear a peep out of that. You won't hear a peep about, I mean, there's a story on Mother Jones, which is the only story, which talks about, uh, headline is, you thought it was tough being gay in Uganda. It's hell in Nigeria. But you can look that up if you'd like. I'll put a link in the show notes. But basically it's just um, people have these little, like, memes and preconceived notions and little hashtags that they just hammer on about. And they get lost in that and don't even see the issues. And they don't do their own research and they don't try to fill in the clear gaps in what makes sense. It's like a, it's like a national or world version of uh, the Columbia story almost, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, Those emails that Adam Curry talked about getting on the New Agenda show, too, were really interesting. Oh, yeah. Actually, let me pull those up. He got... I think so, uh, he has a friend that's over in Nigeria, I think, and one of them who said that he lives around the area where the girls were said they're being said to be held hostage or whatever. Right. And here. he said that there's nowhere for them to be hiding out there. Yeah. Uh, this is some listener, Trevor, who sent a letter into No Agenda. It just says... I was in the north of Cameroon from 05 to 07. I worked in villages of uh, Chevy, Bora, and the town of Mokolo, which sits right up against the Nigerian border. Forgive any kind of pronunciation fuck-ups, because I don't speak Afrikaans. The claim that hostages are being held in a remote region over on or over the border is BS. I've traveled the P-Run Road between uh, Mokolo and Balere, and I know the whole area is basically bare-ass rock as the forests have been totally raised for firewood. Uh, and this guy was over as a forester to replant forests. So he's saying you can't hide a few hundred kids there. It's impossible. The whole region is heavy, heavily populated. And any movement of a few hundred kids would be seen and reported. Hmm. So, uh, and then he also mentions that oil having been found recently. Um, but that's just crazy, you know what I mean? The the people who... It's easy to do a story on Africa and bring it over to the States because none of us have fucking been to Africa. Like, a few right. of us have, but the ones who have have been only to, like, one city and then back over, you know? Like, yeah. on some mission of excursion or something like that. Like, yeah. there's very few people who have, like, actually seen all of Africa and, like, would even know the politics and stuff, you know? So it's really easy to drop a story here and say whatever you want in it because no right. one's going to be like... Nuh-uh. Yeah. You know? No one even you has the even authority really to call it out. Un- right. Unless you can call someone that you know that happens to be in Nigeria to run around for you. <laughs> yeah. And Which even then, their perception of what's going on might be off because of like, the cultural whatever. I don't even know anyone I could call in West Virginia. No. Yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. How am I going to call someone in Nigeria, you know? And then you have to trust what they see anyway, so it's not really <sighs> fact-checking. <laughs> Do you want to talk about uh, your little kidney infection? Oh, yeah, sure. Um... Uh, my reproductive system has always been fucked, um, and so 
I woke up Friday morning, and throughout the night, I'd had this weird pain in my sides, um, and it shifted from right to left, and then settled on the right in the morning, and, um, it really, I, like, went to rub my back, and it just hurt so bad. So, um, I've had kidney infections before, and I'm kind of familiar with how it feels, so I was like, you know what, I think this is my kidneys again. And, um, Spencer was working that day, 10 to 5, so I texted him and was just like, hey, when you get off work, can you please take me to the emergency room because I'm just, like, not feeling good. And, um, it hurt so bad to stand up that I would just, like, start crying and, like, just try to sit down or lay down as soon as possible. Um, so I was in this pretty pathetic state, um, and I smoked pot throughout the day, which dulled the pain a lot, which was pretty nice. But, um, then Spencer and I did some online research, and this woman said that she had had a kidney infection with very similar symptoms and couldn't afford to go to the emergency room, so she made this concoction of apple cider vinegar, uh, water, agave nectar, and pure cranberry extract. Um, just the just, juice. Yeah, just the juice. Like, no sugar additives and stuff like that. And she mixed it together and drank that, and that she felt, like, 60% better the next day. So we did the same thing, and, um, my, um, mom who raised me was a huge, like, user of apple cider vinegar to cure anything. So I had drank it before for different you know, illnesses and whatever, and I was familiar with that, and it sucks. It, it leaves this terrible footy aftertaste in your mouth. <laughs> but um, mixing it with the cranberry juice and water and stuff really uh, actually negated the kind of acidity of the apple cider vinegar and made it very bearable. Um, so I woke up the next morning and had no pain at all. Um, was extremely fortunate um, and, you know, kind of going for a dietary change now, um, you know, making sure I'm getting more probiotics and drinking cranberry juice every day now and pure cranberry juice, not the, you know, shitty sugary stuff. So uh, I was really lucky this weekend. It was pretty scary, but it worked out with holistic remedies. So Nice. Yep. Point one for holistic medicine. Yeah. <laughs> so what else is on the notes? You wanted to talk about your eyebrows. Oh, I mean, I didn't really want to talk about them, but I guess they got put on the notes. <laughs> yeah, you put them on the notes. Well, we talked in the car, and we agreed it would be kind of interesting to talk about. I don't know. Well, no one can see them, uh, thankfully. No one can see me, thankfully, but... Because uh, <laughs> you got half eyebrows. Yeah. All right, right now, um, if you see me walking down the street, hopefully I'll have makeup on, and you won't be able to notice, but uh, when I get stressed out, which has been a lot recently with finals and final projects and having to present a 25-minute lecture on professor salaries to the dean of the journalism school, which was fun, um, I, I get stressed out and I go to pluck my eyebrows, but I don't have the patience to pluck my eyebrows because, probably because of my stress, I don't know. So then I pick up my razor and I'll start shaving my eyebrows, but inevitably I'll end up you know, nicking a spot wrong or whatever, and I'll have, like, a chunk of eyebrow missing or something. So this time when I started doing that, fucked him up pretty bad, decided, oh, what the heck, you know what, I'm just gonna do this, like, cool half-eyebrow thing <laughs> where I just leave, like, the front part of my eyebrows from, like, the, you know, the bridge of my nose area over to about where my eyebrows have an angle. 
And I made jokes with Spencer that it would be a new fashion statement and that, you know, in six months from now, you just wait. All the kids will have their eyebrows half shaved. Like, it's been a look in Japan. It could come over here. Um, and so, but anyways, give me like a two days later now, my eyebrows are recovering from the fucking hack job that my razor did to them. and uh, That you did to them with I your razor? Them. Yes. Fine. And <laughs> <laughs> now I've got stubble coming in, and of course I'm a fucking translucently pale young woman with dark brown hair, so my stubble's extremely noticeable, and it just looks hilarious. So if you see me, look at my eyebrows and laugh at me. It's okay. <laughs> I give you permission to do that. Uh, yep. <laughs> I still wouldn't have noticed it had you not said anything. Yeah, that was kind of awesome that Lance said that after I told him about yeah, this earlier. Yeah, you were saying you only noticed her hair was yeah, pulled Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. That's why she looks different. Her hair was pulled back <laughs> good i don't i don't really notice eyebrows on people i suppose it's weird it's like when everybody when like especially when girls get their eyebrows waxed and it hasn't been done for a while you like next time you see them you're like trying to figure out like what's new about them you're like shit I, you look different did you get a haircut no mm. your hair's the same and it's really hard but the eyebrows are like the most subtle change that like you will definitely yeah. notice there's a change, yeah. but then you won't, like, be able to say where it's at. Well, your eyebrows kind of command your face. Yeah. Like, the way that they're angled or arched or however, um, it can dramatically change your looks. It's it's insane. <laughs> well, part of it is I just always look at people's mouths whenever I'm talking to them. Huh. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like the lower tri central triangle of the face or anything is normally what I end up looking at. I usually am I'm always looking at the eyes. eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, I'll make eye contact, but like if you look in that area, nobody really can tell that you're not looking them in the eyes anyway. That's yeah. true. So you were telling me earlier, Lorian, that uh, one of the guys in your in your project had uh, this paper about omitting the word Redskins from sports reports. Right. Um, he ended up writing, I think it was his capstone, on how journalists have a lot of power to command the public, and it's, um, you know, based on the language that they use, you can put positive or negative images into people's heads, and um, he is one of the many people that believes that the Washington football team, the Redskins, should change their name. Mm -hmm. um, so he wrote a paper where he proposed that journalists omit the team name and just refer to them as the Washington football team and hope to bring about a change that way, um, which I think is a pretty interesting form of activism. Now, uh, the Missouri School of Journalism here at Mizzou found this paper and, um, you know, when he applied, he probably sent it in with his application for grad school, I guess is probably how it works. And they ended up liking it so much that it is now policy at the Columbia Missourian to omit the team's name. And if an AP story comes in with a team name, we can go in and edit it out um, to be referred as the Washington football team. Sure. Um, and so he was joking around the other night saying how the sports editor at the Missourian just fucking hates him for it and knows exactly <laughs> who he is. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I thought it was pretty interesting. I think it's a cool idea. Like, uh, I mean, as the press, the whole point is that your words do have power, you know, and that your watchful eye, like, that's the whole point of the First Amendment. Like, your watchful eye and your ability to report on what you want in the way that you want. Like, when people were talking shit on the king and on taxes when this country founded, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, making all of that legal, like, you know, 
you wouldn't have to show both sides of the taxation issue when you published a fucking, you know, there's all, <laughs> there's all this uh, emphasis on trying to remove bias in journalism, and I think it's a big waste of time, because um, you're never gonna completely remove human bias if a human's writing a story for humans to read, That's a, there's gonna be a fucking bias. What you want is to make sure that the bias is correct, that there's a bias in the right place, and the bias should be towards the truth, and you know, for the good of the people. That's where the bias should lie. Right. And and I think that right now it's always, you know, bought out by advertisers or by, you know, corporate interests on where the bias lies yep. and, yeah. yep. you know, what news stories they squash and what news stories they promote. And uh, really the bias should be in your hands. You know, I want you to keep your own bias and use it selfishly, you know, because as each reporter, you you have different uh, angles on life, different perspectives, and you bring different things to the table. And so I think that to to chop your narrative voice down or to be required to report both sides of an issue when one side is just fucking incorrect, you know? Like, you shouldn't have to report that shit if it's incorrect. Exactly, I agree. Um, And, you know, one of the saddest things about the age that we're living in is that people don't have favorite journalists anymore. They have favorite networks. (laughs) If you ask someone, you know, where do you get your news? It's never, oh, Glenn Greenwald or, you know, a specific journalist. It's like, oh, I listen to Fox. (laughs) Sure. Or, oh, you know, I watch CNN. And it never used to be like that. I don't know. Like, if Hunter S. Thompson had written unbiased and, you know, left both sides of every story he wrote and he wouldn't be as great as he's known to be today you know absolutely you just you have a i don't know a lot of people in journalism say that they're in it to get the stories from the people who are unable to tell their stories out to the public but it just seems like that's the complete opposite of what we're doing (laughs) we're just being talking like pieces for corporations and shit i think even in fiction writing you still have a ability to tell a story using bias and set up a, you know, like, look at 1984 and Animal Farm and that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you can set up a world where you're actually making a statement about what's going on around you. And yeah, yeah. You're trying to give people warnings of what's to come, you know? Yeah, that's what uh, all great satire has been used for, and uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. You can reflect uh, lots of props, like social problems, and uh, juxtapose them with uh, situations to just hyperimpose the problem, and I think that that's, that's also responsibility of fiction writers too in general so yeah I'd agree with that too I think that's kind of a it's been kind of a good uh, moving on point to the last topic that I propose we talk about today which is this um an ordinance in Colombia to decriminalize cultivation of up to six plants of marijuana. Um, and why I said this was a good turning point is because um, my last day at the Missourian was kind of awful. Uh, I had to go to this meeting, and the people supporting the ordinance just came. They were strong. More than three-fourths of the audience was made up of supporters. No, this they, meeting, you're talking about, it's a public comment meeting, public hearing for right. the... Okay, the Board um, of Health and... And the um, Substance Abuse Advisory Commission were asked by City Council to weigh in on the or- the amendment before City Council decides to reject or pass it. Right. Um, and that proposition was made by Carl Scala, who I'll have you... I think it's worth noting, his wife is on the Board of Health. Okay. So <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Sure. Um, and, you know, I think that... The city council wanted to hear from experts, and I put that in quotations, about the, um, you know, repercussions of allowing this ordinance to pass or whatever. So at this public comment hearing, um, the supporters came, they were strong, they brought good arguments, um, and 
I mean, out of 17 people that smoked, that spoke, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Out of, <laughs> out of 17 people that spoke, only three of them opposed the ordinance. And um, really, they just sound like they're bitching. So I get back to the newsroom with my story, and I wrote it. You know, my headline was Columbia residents say marijuana isn't complicated debate, or you know, sure, something to yeah. that effect. That's what the one guy said. Yeah. The, yeah. I wrote, and it, yes, I wrote a slanted piece about how this ordinance should be passed, how city council didn't need these experts to weigh in because they don't even understand exactly what they're supposed to be doing for city council, and they don't seem to understand marijuana or be concerned about it at all. Like, it seemed like they felt like they're all wasting their time having this. And there's three more meetings to come. So I just wanted to write a really short piece that said, you know what, this shouldn't be a big deal. Uh, This ordinance should be passed, blah, blah, blah. Here's the reasons why. Um, And I get to the newsroom, and of course, I work for The Missourian, which is focused on, you know, textbook journalism and remaining unbiased and having your ethics in the right place or whatever. Basically, the problem with that, that uh, teaching it that way, that textbook unbiased, in quotes, uh, reporting, is that all you do is muddy the waters. You make it more confusing. You're going to give a mouthpiece to both sides, and really you're just making noise. You're not saying, hey, don't know shit about this issue? Well, here's, what uh, you need here's to know. <laughs> like, you know, the simple facts, you know? Yeah. Um, and clearly the guys who were talking about trying to get the, up to 36 pounds of, that you could get 36 pounds of weed out of six plants <laughs> was just like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's worth noting that the man, one of the three against the ordinance, who said a person growing marijuana can get six six pounds per plant and thus have 36 pounds of marijuana in their house when currently only under 35 grams is decriminalized. He is an officer for the Columbia Police Department. You know, kind of interesting. I'm sure he he knows exactly how to grow. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then when, uh... Not that I do, but I just, you know, you can look it up in a book. Yeah, seriously. Aaron Mallon stepped up and kind of put that guy in his place. He was like, hey, man, you know, that's just not true. (laughs) Look it up. Mm -hmm. And then the guy decided to be a complete asswipe and just start mumbling throughout everything that anyone else said. Talking talking when someone else has the floor is just, like, the rudest fucking thing you can do at a public meeting. Because he was sourpussing because he got proven wrong. He probably has a power complex because he's a cop. (laughs) But, um, so anyways, my, the editor-in-chief ended up getting called in because I was really putting my foot down on the student copy editor who was saying, this is too biased, we can't do it like this. I was like, absolutely not. I will not let you publish this at all if it's not the way that I wrote it because I was the one that was there. I know I've been following marijuana in Columbia for the whole semester now, like, and beyond that, before that, since I got to Columbia, really, four years ago. Um, and so the editor-in-chief finally, you know, didn't have any arguments he could put up against me and let me run it. Thank God. I even managed to get in, um, you know, a little hint for readers that if you haven't read Jack Harris, The Emperor Emperor Wears No Clothes, and you're interested in marijuana activism, or you don't know about marijuana, or you hate marijuana because you don't know about it, you should probably read that book. Uh, It's pretty much the Cannabis Bible. Yeah, it's just a history of the plant from beginning of time till now, and 
all the things it's been used to make in the past and all the things it can be made out of, you know, the, the food, the fiber of to make uh, cloth and paper and all sorts of different shit. Um, little m- medical remedies you can make just out of the hemp plant alone, so. Yeah, um, and we can put up a link to my article in the show. Actually, um, the Missourian has a paywall, so we can maybe put up a PDF file of my article okay. under the show notes. And um, I don't believe any other publications in town wrote for it, although the Maneater might have put up a short blog entry about it um because i'm pretty sure that was a man-eater reporter that was sitting next to me there but so was there anything else uh happened in the town today you want to discuss at all well it's not really a matter of the town but uh spencer and i just got our official gym membership to the arc oh yeah lifestyle change that's true (laughs) yeah we got a membership to the gym the arc yesterday and it's a little it's a badass little facility really for for the rate, you know, yeah. you don't have to pay that much. It breaks down to be like thirty some bucks a month for both of us to go. Yeah, and um, we're gonna we're trying to go two times a day for f- like five days a week, um, once in the morning and once in the evening. So you know, anyone who wants to catch up with us and wants to change their lifestyle, also, uh, I encourage you to get a membership at the Arc and uh, come find us on the track or something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> It's really cool because you run around that track inside, and it's like a big, weird, like, almost figure eight shape. It's like a figure eight that doesn't touch in the middle, kind of. And uh, they got this big window, so you can run around, you can look out at Gerbs, you can look out at, like, the little street down there. I think it's on, what, West Boulevard or something like that? Right, yeah, I think so. Um, But, yeah, it's a fun little gym. And then they got the pool and everything. Yeah, and they have a little outdoor room. Or not room, but, like, a patio outdoor. Like a terrace, yeah. Work out on. Out on, like, there's, like, a roof terrace. Yeah, get zen while you work out. It's pretty cool. It's cool stuff. We're happy about it. Yeah. Uh, if you have any kind of ideas or um, stories that you want covered or, you know, people we could talk to, send us an email, spencer at bullafterbull.com, and we'll take a look at it. Or, you know, just tell us how you feel about the show. Yeah, um, I would strongly encourage comments about some of the things we talked about today, since... Especially, like, the manhunt and stuff like that. Maybe you know something that the general public doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. If you get it out, like, please comment. Yeah, if any leads on that story, just, you know, shoot us an email or hit Lorian up. Yeah, the supposed altercation. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of details that are still left missing, and we know that most of the local news sources are not interested in filling those holes, you know? Yep. Or they've been told they're not allowed to, which is... You know, according to the Constitution, that's not true. But equally as possible. Right. Yep. Well, Lance, I appreciate you joining us again, man. Thank you for having me on. Yep. And uh, for you listening, may your bowls burn ever brighter.